Well, grace to you all in peace from God our Father and Jesus our resurrected Savior and from the Holy Spirit who is sanctifying you. Amen. Well, All Saints Day is an important day in the life of many congregations because on it we name and remember all those we have loved and lost during the past year. Well, perhaps we should rephrase that and say, all those we have loved and released. As we confess, they are not lost, but they have moved into the nearer presence of God and are safe in God's keeping. These hallowed moments are important for our faith. On one hand, we grieve the loss of our loved ones, but on the other hand, we give thanks for their lives and for the promised resurrection life that they now enjoy. So, what is a saint? Well, for Lutherans, we say saints are those who have lived maybe exemplary lives, many whose life stories are written on the pages of Scripture. Let's see if we can remember some of them. Moses. Yes, a stuttering fugitive on the run. Hmm. King David an adulterer and a murderer. Mm -hmm. Peter, uneducated fisherman, denied Jesus three times on the night of his death. Hmm. Oh, James and John, followers of Jesus, who were fighting over who was going to be on the right and left hand so they could have power. Martin Luther, Hot-tempered German. You see, these are not perfect people. Being a saint is not about perfection. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when writing to the Corinthians, with whom he was very angry at because of their un-Christ-like behavior, said this. He addressed them and said, Those who are sanctified, that is, made holy in Christ Jesus. All of us are bound by our human frailties. Yet each are given new life through the love of God. And we are set free by the good news of God's word through the works of our Jesus our Savior and through the movement of the Holy Spirit. This is a message of encouragement for us. For God does not choose to work only through those who are perfectly equipped for ministry. But today we are reminded that God chooses to work through every day, any people. And that God is the one who equips us for faithfulness. So saints are simply those who are made clean by the forgiveness they receive from Jesus Christ. And when we talk about saints, we're talking about the church militant, those seeking the kingdom here on earth, the baptized, the church, the people of God. And the church triumphant, Well, those who are transformed to the full fellowship of God after death. The church militant and the church triumphant. And today we also remember those who have died this past year and entered that church triumphant. Death and grief remind us of our mortality. It reminds us that we are in solidarity with one another. Because no one is exempt from death, loss, or grief. 
We're also reminded that the words spoken at Ash Wednesday, at the beginning of Lent, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. You see, All Saints Day invites us to recognize and give thanks for those who are important to us, those who have returned to the dust. But like them, may we be caught up in the promise of God who first created humanity from that dust and breathed life into them and continues to breathe life into us and raise us into life with Jesus. In our lessons today, the vision found in Isaiah and Revelation is that God will swallow up death forever and wipe away our tears. Boy, it has been months and months and months of tears. We know what that's all about. We have suffered so many losses. I can't wait for the day when God will take away the old and bring in the new and our tears will finally be wiped away forever. But right now, there are tears. Even Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, the one who draws all people and all things to God himself, weeps real tears. I mean, it is the most famous confirmation verse ever. Jesus wept. Say it with me. Jesus wept. You just memorized a Bible verse today. But it shows the depth of death and how nasty it is. And though we rejoice that the saints rest from their labors, that distance that we experience from them is the real heartache of death. In the gospel readings from John, Jesus and the mourners are catching a whiff of the powers of death. Accusations abound. Did you hear them? Mary, Jesus, if you'd only come sooner, why didn't you come sooner? Why did you wait four or five days? Just imagine if Jesus had come sooner. We wouldn't be sitting here now. Lazarus wouldn't even be dead. We know you would have done something, Jesus. We know that kind of accusation. We say it. Often trying to think about guilt. God, what did I do? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to someone I love? God, if you'd only been here, cancer wouldn't have ravaged us. That accident wouldn't have happened. If you'd only come sooner, Jesus. But Jesus standing next to that tomb of Lazarus says, take away the stone. And Martha says, really, Jesus? He's been dead four days. It's going to stink. Roll away the stone, Jesus says. Why, Jesus? Lazarus is gone. He's rotting away. He's food for the worms and the maggots. Don't you get it, Jesus? Jesus almost, I think, 
starts to smile through his tears and he says, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you you'd see the glory of God? And then Jesus is going to preach. He's going to give one of the shortest sermons ever. And it's going to raise the dead. Lazarus, come out. That was the sermon. Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out. Wrapped in a burial shroud. The one who had moments before been a stinking, rotting corpse was alive, a full, living, breathing, heart-beating human being. Amazing. And the promise of the story of Lazarus is that like Lazarus, Jesus loves you. Like Lazarus, Jesus weeps for you when death has had its way with you. That Jesus is so moved when we are encountering the depths of suffering in this world that he brings life to that death, freedom to our bondage, and light to every one of our darknesses. In Jesus, we are finally unbound from the deadly hold of despair. So many times we are broken. We are incapable of doing God's work daily. And yet, that is what God is calling us to do. Didn't you hear what Jesus said? Unbind him and set him free. That says, I got work for you to do. You see, the miracle of Lazarus is that God invited those who were standing around to go back to work and to go out and be representatives of Christ in this world. You see, saints aren't just those who have died. Saints are you, me. For we have been declared holy. And let's be clear at this point, declaring holy is God's work, not ours. That is, we are holy not because of some inherent quality that you possess or because you have done some amazing, brilliant thing, but simply because God calls you holy. And God's promise of resurrection isn't an invitation to simply deny death. The death rate that you and I experience is still 100%. We're all going to die. Death affects every single one of us. It affects every single one of us who are even baptized into Jesus. It affected Lazarus. It, it affected Jesus. He died on the cross. But God's promise of resurrection grants us the promise and the power to defy death, not deny it. We defy death's ability to overshadow and distort our lives. We defy the fear of death. And we deny death's threat that there is nothing else. And we deny those who believe because they have the ability to inflict death that they are the most powerful people on this earth. They are not. For the story of Lazarus being raised, the Easter story of Jesus' resurrection is a promise for you and I that death does not have the last word. 
And so we are free in this world, free to live and struggle, free to sacrifice and free to encourage others, to never give up, to live out of love rather than hate, to have our actions move more towards hope rather than fear. In light of God's resurrection promise, death doesn't have to terrify us. Not the death of loved ones we remember on this day or even our own deaths. That's the hope of the resurrection life. That now and on the last day, Jesus is the one whom we can hope and trust above everyone else. You know, this past week, we've been doing a a weekly study on on the question, what happens in the end? And this week, we read about the baptism in the early church. And I think this is where we are able to defy death. Because in the early church, baptisms happened on the eve of Easter, in the middle of the darkness, waiting for that sun to rise. And the story is told that they took these adults, I'm sure. They were outside. And they took them out and they faced them towards the west. In the midst of the darkness, they said, do you renounce the devil? And they said, yes. And they spit into the darkness. We renounce Do you renounce the evil works? Again, they spat into the darkness and renounced. Do you renounce all the devil's empty promises? And they spat in the face of the devil as if to say, your promises are bitter taste in our mouth and we renounce and reject you. And then they would face the east toward the sunrise, confess their faith in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then they would go into the water and be baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, I thought about confirmation just last week and I wondered how much those kids would have enjoyed spitting into the face of the devil. But think about when Jesus took that blind man and he spit into the eyes and he could see. By the time he spit, and open the ears of the deaf. Maybe this week you and I need to defy death and spit in the face of evil, the devil. And that we need to pick up those six words, Jesus' last sermon, unbind him and let him go. You see, the love and compassion of Jesus wasn't quite enough. The power of Jesus' word wasn't enough. There was still work to do, and he needed the people around to do it. Jesus is totally at work, but he needs you now to be his hands and feet to unbind and let go those who need to spit in the face of the devil. But they can't because they're too terrified. The vision that we hold up is that God who raised Jesus from the dead still needs us, wants us, invites us to join him in his work, to extend and even complete God's resurrection work by caring for, standing with, lending our courage to those who are suffering and grieving, those who are vulnerable and in need. We need to put our faith into action. Paul, 
writing in First Peter, or, or, or writing in First Peter, the author would say, without holding what it means to live out being the saints, he would say, "Have reverence for Christ in your hearts. Honor Him as Lord." Be ready at all times to give answers to anyone who asks you to explain the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. If there's anything this world needs more, is more gentleness and respect. Because that is truly the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. The Lamb of God. Gentleness and respect for each other. To have life in Jesus' name means that we're being called, that we're being sent to cast a vision for those who are overwhelmed by the stench of death. But we do it with gentleness and kindness and respect. The beauty of All Saints Sunday that it's not just about famous saints who have inspired other believers. It's about the humble saints, the simple human beings who have shared faith and encouragement with us. I want you to think for a moment, who has been a saint in your life? Who was gentle? and kind and respected you and simply loved you and told you the story of Jesus out of love. Because there is someone in your life that did that. Otherwise, you would not be here this morning. I hope you give thanks for that saint. And I hope you take their legacy, their love and their grace, and that you go out to bless and be counted among them as the saints who unbind and let them go. This is most certainly true. It is your work and mine. Thanks be to God.